the circumstances were a bit different from what we have today, right? Nobody spoke English. There wasn't any privacy. I said, no, no, I'm going to Shanghai. I was so mad at my husband for sleeping during my labor. She heard me on the phone, like, why are you driving from Ningbo to Shanghai when you're in labor? So we were on that bridge and my water broke. There was no time to get out of our car and into the ambulance. Hi, I'm Jacqueline Carmen, and I'm a certified breastfeeding counselor. And I'm Ruth Green, an international birth doula. And this is the Having a Baby in China podcast. Reminder, this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and should not be taken as medical advice. The views expressed here are the personal opinions of individuals and do not necessarily reflect any official stance or recommendation by having a baby in China. Hey, Jacqueline. Hey, Ruth. Good to see you. You too. So remember when we were recording with Andrea a couple weeks ago? Yeah, that was a great time talking with her. She had a lot of good information. I learned some things that I didn't connect before. Yeah, she had a lot of stories to tell. She had a lot of great stories. <laughs> so for those of you who are listening and did not hear that podcast, you should go back and listen to the podcast about advocating for yourself. Andrea is a birth doula and a water birth practitioner in Ningbo. And she owns a company called Beyond Doula Services. And in it, she gave us kind of the brief overview of her first birth story. Well, she gave us a brief interview of all of her birth stories. But while we were, we were recording, Jacqueline and I were like, tell us the whole story. So she started telling yeah. us the whole story. And then we realized this is a whole birth story podcast episode by itself. <laughs> yeah, it's quite the exciting story. <laughs> yeah, so while we were recording with her, we went ahead and saved that story for you all so that we could publish it intact, the whole thing, here tonight. So this is a little bit of a different recording in that Jacqueline and I are giving you a little bit of background about it, and then in just a moment, we'll go into where Andrea talks about her full birth story with her first baby. I think everyone will enjoy the exciting story of Andrea's first birth. Yeah, you definitely don't want to miss this episode. I expected my first child in 2012. Okay. And mm -hmm. the circumstances were a bit different from what we have today, right? There wasn't a WeChat. So <laughs> there wasn't any support groups or a quick connection made to uh, other pregnant uh, women. There was email, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, short messages or phone calls to call each other, right? And then in Ningbo, there wasn't any maternity hospital, like a private maternity hospital mm. or uh, something like a VIP ward. It was yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. basically public hospitals with, um, with their maternity ward and it was shared birthing rooms. I couldn't find any hospital that offered a private delivery room mm. it was more like uh, gambling so if you came in for was in, in labor and there wasn't any other woman you had the room for yourself but you never knew yeah yeah what would happen so and came to like when I asked can I bring my husband they say as long as there's nobody else 
in the delivery room, your husband may be allowed in, but as soon as some second, third, fourth woman comes, then husband needs to leave. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I always wanted my husband with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for, and then for maternity checkups, um, a friend recommended an English speaking doctor at a public hospital and the doctor itself was nice. She was, yeah, it was great talking to her and she, she had good English. And also my Chinese was not as good as it is today in 2012. So it was still important for me to have somebody to, to speak in English. And yeah, but how ha- hospital works is the doctor arranges all the tests and then you need to go yourself, right? Up and yeah. second floor, third floor and blood sample here and your urine sample there. Um, and yeah, so that just, that was <laughs> exhausting. So and we collected all the reports. Um, it was the first checkup, basically, to confirm the pregnancy and see if everything is well. So we collected all the reports, and then we went back to the doctor's office. But that doctor was not there. She went. <laughs> yep. So a colleague was sitting there, and we handed the reports to her, and she was, "Yeah, it's all fine." Like very. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so what do you mean it's all fine? Yeah, you're pregnant. That's it. Yeah, you can you can go. It, <laughs> You know, as first time parents to be, yeah. that was that was very um yeah, I probably expected something else, not just yeah, you know, positive result, you can go home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I was advised to actually go to a local healthcare provider for the maternity checkup. So in, in, in China there is for maternity and then also later for the, the child well-being checkups. If you are at low risk, you actually go to smaller local healthcare providers. In Chinese, it's called Fubaozuo, and you don't go to hospitals. The hospitals are for high-risk pregnancies. Oh, okay. Um, and this is where you are registered, um, where you get your pink book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, they keep all your record, and they keep calling you if you don't come. So they they are in charge of kind of also monitoring that women do their checkups. Yeah. But at that place, nobody spoke English. There wasn't any privacy. So um, there were few expecting moms around the doctor and then maybe their company. Usually Chinese women do not go alone to their checkups. They at least have their own mom or their mother-in-law with them or a sister or Mm -hmm. people. The doctors were not able to answer questions because they were not they were not used to being asked questions Mm, mm -hmm. and they worked very very much according to a protocol so you were 16 weeks pregnant and then you're okay to do with this and this and this test and at the end of every appointment I had there when I said goodbye it was and if you start bleeding you go to the hospital immediately this is how they sent me off (laughs) (laughs) After each visit. So it kind of can get scary. Yeah. And also you you always leave with worrying. So every tension you had, every cramp, it's like, oh, I need to go to the toilet. Maybe I'm bleeding. So it's, yeah, <laughs> yeah it was not very cheerful. So during two of my pregnancy, I, I happened to be on holiday in Germany for Christmas, I think. So I took the chance and had uh, a check at my local OBGYN. And they were so full of 
you know, happiness and uh, positivity. Aww. And when I left there, it was always like, I wish you all the best. I wish you a beautiful pregnancy. It was, so I could see a little bit of difference of how they approached this. Yeah. Yes. I really miss this individual support. So around seven months pregnancy, I decided to to go to Shanghai. I heard from mm -hmm. a lot of other expert women that they went to Shanghai for the birth. So I decided I would go and check it out. And that was a totally different world. Mm -hmm. It was an um, yeah. international hospital in Shanghai. It was July and the pool in our compound was open. And I love swimming. But so in Ningbo, they always told me, don't do any sports. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My husband was very um, anxious seeing me in the pool. He was like, oh, you can get an infection. He was very worried. But I complained about back pain. Mm -hmm. And then the midwife in Shanghai um, was so lovely. So I, she asked me how I am. I said, I have so much back pain. And she, was, she just said, I'll go swimming, honey. <laughs> it was like oh yeah you heard that my husband was there I said, you heard that um, I keep go swimming yeah. <laughs> was your midwife at the international hospital a local or was it a foreigner I don't really remember that's okay her name was MJ and she was she was a lovely a well-recommended midwife I don't remember if she was local or from somewhere okay. else and I feel like sometimes it's a little bit of a blurry line, like sometimes they study abroad and come back or sometimes yeah, they're yeah. born abroad and come over. Yeah. So, yeah. So I decided I have my baby in Shanghai in that, in that hospital. How far away is Shanghai from Ningbo? It was a two and a half hours drive okay. from home mm -hmm. to that hospital without traffic jam. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I chose that hospital. There were more options in Shanghai, of course, but I chose that because it was the closest when coming from Ningbo. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you didn't need to like cross the whole city or go into the city center to arrive. It was actually fairly convenient okay. to arrive at that hospital. And they were very relaxed about it, actually, because they were used to having women coming from cities around. So mm -hmm. also from mm -hmm. Suzhou, from Ningbo, sometimes from yeah. Hangzhou. So they had actually experience with yeah. Mm -hmm. Women waiting for labor and then driving to Shanghai to have the baby. Yeah. So then all the pregnancy was totally normal. I got closer to the due date and 10 days before my due date, I had an appointment. And after 36 weeks, you go to a hospital then, right? You don't go mm. to the maternity yes. care center anymore. You go to a hospital. For your appointments. Yes. So I went to that um, hospital and during this appointment, I wasn't treated very nicely. I still had um. back pains and they wanted to do the CDG, the, the fatal monitoring, mm -hmm. and asked me to sit down on some bed and I asked them to adjust the backrest and they said it's not possible. I should just <laughs> take it as it is. So I was, and she was very harsh. She was, she was shouting. Mm. And at that point, I really fixed there is only Shanghai. There is no, no other way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I was thinking if, you know, now I'm still mobile. I'm very clear. I don't have contraction. I only have a back pain and very simple demand, actually. So what, what is happening once I'm in labor and then yeah. having contractions? And maybe another thing to mention is that 2012, um, so many years ago, there was, for example, if you wanted to eat and drink, you needed to have somebody to bring it to you. 
Yeah. Yes. It was not that the, the hospital would take care of that, but that you needed somebody outside and then you say, oh, I need water, I need a lunch or, or something like this. And yeah, so I just couldn't imagine to go to that hospital and then probably share the delivery room and not being able to be in touch with my husband or just getting support or if I needed mm. something that they wouldn't, you know, give that to me or yeah. And then a few days later, I went into labor. Okay. Mm. It was during the night to three o'clock. What was your first sign of labor? I, I had cramp. I had contractions. Okay. Yeah. Actually, I didn't sleep that night because the baby was moving a lot compared to usually she slept. Okay. Mm-hmm. That night she didn't. Only looking back, I could say this was actually the first sign of labor, but it was <laughs> yeah. not. Yeah. So, but yeah, at some point I thought, oh, these are cramps. So I, I got up and I took a bath just to, to check if, if it's Braxton Hicks or if it's actual labor. Mm-hmm. And I, I was advised actually to have something like a contraction tracker and it was insta- installed on my phone, but the phone, the battery was almost dead. So I <laughs> had the phone on the charger and that's why I didn't use the tracker. So I, I was not really sure about the timing of the contraction. Yeah, so I took a bath and then uh, I went back to the sofa and then I had a shower. So at some point my husband woke up and said, what are you doing? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, maybe having contractions and so he called the hospital it was like four o'clock in the morning he called um, the hospital in Shanghai but they were very relaxed and they said it's your first baby just you know stay home until after breakfast and then you take your time no need to Mm -hmm. rush to Shanghai during the night so he went back to bed and uh, slept I was so mad at my husband for sleeping during my labor. I was like, how dare you be sleeping? I, I was actually surprised that he was able to sleep. I would have expected that he's more you know, anxious, excited or anxious yeah. and, and would yeah. be able, but he just, he just went back to sleep. And then at some point um, in, in, in the morning, I woke him up and said, maybe, maybe you should get up. And um, I made him breakfast <laughs> and then we set off at nine. And I had a doula friend. Mm. Oh, okay. We had a doula in Ningbo and I had two or three meetings with her. Was that Susan or is that somebody else? Yes, Susan. But then there was a little misunderstanding about her. So she went on summer holiday and she said Uh she will be back on that day. So it was exactly that day. And I thought she is already back. But what she meant is that she will arrive that day Uh we did not really have an agreement on that she will be there for the birth or that she will come with me but anyway I tried to call her and I couldn't get in touch with her and then I called her best friend and she heard me on the phone we were talking and then I had contractions and she heard me breathing and we talked and then again because my contractions were actually closer than I felt it was yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> and she said honey you need to go to the closest hospital you cannot go to shanghai now <laughs> I don't, like you're and i said no no i'm going to shanghai right so w- hold on I, I wasn't quite clear the appointment that you went to 10 days before your due date was that one in ningbo or was that one in shanghai that was in ningbo that was in ningbo. oh that one was in ningbo yes. okay and that was the one that you were like there's no way i'm yeah. giving birth here i am going to shanghai okay mm-hmm. got it 
yeah, so she kind of heard that I need to be in hospital. Yeah. <laughs> then before we left, my husband was like, are you sure that we go to Shanghai? And like, we go to Shanghai. <laughs> so we set off at 9.09, I remember. It's a lucky number in Chinese. And then the way from our house to the highway was under, under construction. So it was a lot of bumping and vibration in the car. <laughs> and before we went onto the highway, my husband said, let's just call the doctor, the English speaking doctor at that uh, hospital in Ningbo uh, to see, but she didn't pick up. So, and I said, just go, I, I will not go back now we yeah. just keep driving keep driving so we went on the highway and he i think he overspeed and he was <laughs> <laughs> he was holding my hands and we kept calling the hospital in shanghai to us and he 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 called them so what could he do to make me more comfortable and there's not a lot you can do in a car right no. yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah and then we were on the there is a bridge the hangzhou bay bridge and when we were on that bridge I think there's a longer one now, but at that time it was the longest bridge in China, 35 okay. kilometers. So we were on that bridge and the water broke. <laughs> was it a big gush or was it like a trickle? Yeah, like big gush. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> so before we set off, I maybe instinctively grabbed a few towels. So I had towels okay. on the seat. The car was new. It was three weeks old. <laughs> it's perfect, clean environment. Christening it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, so a, a trick I heard is to put like a trash bag down on the seat mm -hmm. and then put towels on top of the trash bag. So the, the trash bag acts as kind of like a waterproofer. And then the towels like absorb the water. I thought that was so. Now, whenever I have clients that are heading to the hospital, I'm like, just in case, let's. <laughs> I, we didn't think that far. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. I mean, like, yeah. So this Hangzhou Bridge is that? How far from your home is that? Are you like an hour into the drive? It's an it's an hour, and then crossing the bridge takes like half an hour. It's very long. Okay, mm. and you're in the middle of the bridge when it breaks. We're in the middle of the board. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> So husband calls the ambulance now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I remember that the, the lady on the phone was like, why are you driving from Ningbo to Shanghai when you're in labor? <laughs> and I shouted at her and, and I'm like, that's none of your business. Just get us <laughs> an ambulance. <laughs> it's, that's not the point right now. <laughs> So we decided to meet the ambulance at the service area on the north side of the of the bridge. We kept driving them to that service area. And when we arrived there, the ambulance wasn't there yet. Mm -hmm. Okay. So husband went to the gas station <laughs> <laughs> and uh, filled up the tank. <laughs> And then he found a parking spot. Yeah. So, and then the, the ambulance arrived and their plan was to get me out of the car into the ambulance. Okay. But uh, when they arrived and he opened the, the door, I had a contraction. So I was like, mm. don't, don't touch me. I have a, I have yeah. a contraction. Yeah. And then with the next contraction, she was out. Wow. wow. So there was no time to get, <laughs> Move into, you anywhere. get out of our car and into the ambulance. What time of day is this? You said you started, you woke up with contractions at night. It was 10.53 when she was born. In the morning. Mm. Yes. That's a really short labor. 
especially for a first. Hospital said like, well, it takes you 12, 14, 15 hours. So. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Oh, the hospital midwife was on the phone okay. when she was born. And uh, she told us later she, she had higher, uh, an increased heart rate. <laughs> 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 and was very happy when she heard the baby crying. She yeah. was an experience for them as well. How did the emergency workers react? Like I've always kind of been curious because I feel like they don't have the same training a lot of times than that I would expect. How, what was their their attitude, their composure? Yeah. So the doctor was obviously not an OBGYN. See, he had no yeah. clue about mm-hmm. birth. So baby was born and he was able to to catch her. Okay. And I asked him to put her on my chest because he, he looked a little bit helpless where, where to go with that baby. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I asked him to put her on my chest and we covered her. And it was decided we stay in our car. So he, mm. okay. he hopped in to the back and then we followed the ambulance to the closest hospital mm. did you wait for placenta to be born or yeah, cut- yeah so they didn't they didn't have any uh that's what they said they didn't have any equipment to, to clamp and cut the cord mm. okay so that's why we just i just held the baby didn't move from the seat you got your immediate skin to skin and delayed cord clamping by accident almost <laughs> And a husband that was there all the time. Yeah. yeah. You, <laughs> you got everything you wanted, sort of. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. He had no choice. <laughs> he was holding my hand, so he had no choice. There were no interventions, right? <laughs> yeah. By the way, we're not recommending that people do this. <laughs> I hear that when babies are born on the way to the hospital, that like it's when things are moving so quickly, it's yeah. that everything is perfect. There's nothing really, usually there isn't anything that's wrong or worrisome. So that if that does happen, it's it's usually because everything is just going the way it's supposed to yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. As long as baby isn't preterm, it's really mm-hmm. just because everything is in alignment. Baby's doing yeah. well, mom's doing well, and everything's <laughs> working as it should, like you said. And so it's it's really scary and terrifying for the parents, which I want to hear your feelings about it and your husband's feelings about it too. But, you know, it's scary for them, but physically, right, a lot is actually going really well in these situations. Yeah, but I need to say that maybe that's me. I wasn't scared. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The contractions were so close. There was not really time to be scared, mm-hmm. to think about it. It was, oh, there was, there is this this one question that doctors or midwives ask then at actually every birth at a certain point, like, do you need to poop? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And um, here was another misunderstanding. So my doula told me that it's fairly normal that a woman in labor poops and yes. really in terms of pooping, okay, that it's normal and nothing to be ashamed of and it's happening. So when the doctors on the phone were talking about this and asked me, do you have the feeling you need to poop? Yeah. I was thinking about the need to go to the toilet. And I'm like, no, no. <laughs> but, <laughs> but when I had that feeling that I needed to poop means really feeling the hat coming. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I knew what they were actually talking about. And uh, I was probably the only woman on earth saying, don't come out, don't come out. <laughs> I <wanted> it, like, <laughs> instead of like, get out, I'm like, stay in, stay in. Um, not now. <laughs> <laughs> but I was not never actively pushing. It just happened. Baby did all that work. How about your husband? How is he through all of this? Yeah, and that's the thing. So if he tells, tells the story, it's a totally different story. 
<laughs> he had a different role, right? And yeah. a different perspective and a different perception and also a different understanding of birth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when he tells the story, it's rather scary yeah. and dangerous. I had some friends that in the States, they did all the birthing classes and were planning to birth at a birthing center and you know, felt very confident about the birth. So like the husband and the wife both did all the classes and had an understanding of birth and everything. And then she accidentally had baby at home and he caught the baby. And yet it's still, even with all that mental preparation and knowledge and all of that, when she tells the story, she's like, yeah, you know, I had the baby at home, you know, like, and I remember asking her, was that more intense? Was that scary? She's like, yeah, just how it happened. And then I brought it up with her husband and, and he was like, oh my goodness, it was trauma. So much trauma. <laughs> so I do, like you said, it's different roles. And I think because we have a much clearer understanding of our bodies and what's going on and physiology and even just the anatomy and all of that, it, it's much more familiar to us. Whereas the husband, even if they're doing book knowledge and studying and trying to be there and be supportive, it's still a pretty terrifying experience or at least or at least it can be it can be yeah can be a terrifying or i don't know terrifying is too strong of a word but unknown isn't strong enough of a word like mm -hmm. unfamiliar yeah and, and for him because he's chinese yeah actually until now in china pregnancy and birth is, is often the female's work yeah it's like a taboo mm -hmm. topic almost yeah it's the women take care of all of that the mother-in-law definitely would have a much stronger role in the birth than the husband traditionally yes today you can see more and more husbands accompanying their wives to maternity mm -hmm. checkups but back then it was basically women accompanying women so he wasn't really prepared so he, he, he didn't participate in the classes. But then it's also the family that mm. reacted differently, yeah. right? When I called my parents and told them that, they were laughing. <laughs> <laughs> it was, you know, not an adventure enough to be in China. You need to do things like this. <laughs> Make it extra exciting. <laughs> yeah. And for his family, the reaction from from mm. his family was then just supporting his story oh that's that's dangerous can i ask did he feel a bit of like shame like he hadn't gotten you there in time or like he hadn't like no. did his family put any okay so not not like that no. just more of the fear and how dangerous it was rather than like a focus more on the fear and danger rather than the excitement and life of, yeah. of their new life all right so you're at the gas station and the doctors climbed into your car and your husband, is your husband still driving at this point? I mean, like he's going to drive the rest of the way? After the birth, yeah. So we decided to go to the closest hospital for, you know, placenta delivery and, and cord clamping. And so um, the doctor got into our car in the back and uh, my husband followed the, the ambulance to the hospital. I think at some point the ambulance was exchanged because the one that came to us was like the highway. Okay. Responsible. Mm -hmm. They were responsible for accidents and, and issues on the highway. And then they replaced it with one from the closest city. Okay. And we followed them. And so when we arrived at the hospital, they already had a medical team outside waiting for us. So they opened the door and they cut the cord. While you're still in the and car. Why, why, why? I was still in the car, right? And then they, they took the baby uh, in and then I, I came out of the car and they brought me to the delivery room 
to get the placenta. The placenta was still not born. A couple questions. One, was your cord long enough so that, you know, you had room to, I don't remember what, I some baby that the cord was so short, short. that they like barely got up. Um, I don't know that it was my baby, but anyways. And then the other question was, did you breastfeed during that trip to the hospital? How long was it from... The, where you had parked to the hospital that you drove to? I, I really don't have the timing anymore. Mm. I would need to look at pictures and then see at what yeah, time yeah. the pictures were taken. I don't have the, the feeling of time anymore. So when the baby was born and he put the baby on the chest and we covered, her, covered the baby immediately. So, and then I was like, oh, what time is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only then a few minutes later, it was like, Oh, what is it? Oh, we didn't know if it's a boy or girl. Oh, so, right. <laughs> and only then it was like, oh, is it a boy or a girl? So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the cord was obviously long enough. I really had yeah. it on my chest. And I did not breastfeed until we, we were at the hospital and the placenta was mm-hmm. born. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it was, it was not something that came into my mind, actually. It was, yeah, yeah. I there think the, been a, the whole situation yeah, was stimuli. just like, okay, <laughs> yeah. it, it was just, I was just happy to hold my baby on my chest. Yeah. 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 That would be a lot. I mean, you've got, yeah. you're in a car and yeah. baby's on you and you've just given birth on the side and all the excitement and emotions and this strange doctor you've never met before is in your, in the backseat yeah. <laughs> and your husband's probably freaking out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Just get to the hospital. <laughs> I need I to that say that the, the people at the hospital were, it w- was a public normal hospital, were very friendly. Oh, mm. good. So after what I experienced in Ningbo, um, I was actually, it was a little bit of surprise that they treated me nicely and they were caring and, and things. And they had an eye. A week later, we went back to get the birth certificate and I met her again with two pictures. She was very lovely and, and bringing me water mm. and um, things like this. Yeah. And then in that hospital, they suggested to stay overnight and then that I could go home the next morning. Mm. Okay. But the birth in Shanghai was actually paid. So my, my insurance paid paid before. And yes, the, my, the luggage that we had was prepared for that international hospital in Shanghai, uh, which you could imagine as a fully equipped hotel room. Yes. Yeah. So they had all, all these sanitary items and bedding and, 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 and everything. So um, I the luggage was more like a, a holiday. Yeah. <laughs> in a public hospital in, in, in China, you need to bring everything yourself from the toilet paper, the toothbrush. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> the toilet paper. It's true. We didn't have any of these, these items with us. So it was... Thinking it doesn't make sense to send my husband out to the city we were not familiar with to start purchasing hospital items. And then the other thing, uh, because it was my first baby, I thought it was good to be in Shanghai because they, there was also food. They provided mm, nice yeah. food. So I thought I don't need to cook and, you know, can be pampered a little bit. Yeah. And I also expected them that they show me, for example, how to bath my baby mm-hmm. or it could help with breastfeeding, things like this. So um, we decided that after uh, the two, three hours that they monitor you after mm-hmm. the placenta was born, that we get back into the car and keep driving to Shanghai. <laughs> 
So and I remember we um I wanted to put her in the car seat, but but I didn't know how to fix it. <laughs> I, I remember I held her and we drove to, to Shanghai and we welcomed there very lovely and uh, mm. Yeah, so how, then how long were you in the hospital there in Shanghai? Three nights. They're, they're very simple logistic thing. They do that newborn screening after 72 hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's how long we stayed. We left, went back home. And then, so then you drove from the hospital back to Ningbo. Yes. <laughs> There's a lot in that story. Yeah, yeah. I've heard you mention it several times, but I, it's fun to hear the whole story. Yeah. Well, that's like a really exciting. I think that might be the only birth in a car story I've heard. I do know of a couple other accidental births at home in China. I know, of of course, other people in America and other countries, but that might be the first time I've heard a story, like a birth story in a car on a road. And I've heard mention of it several times in the different groups that we're in, but it it was fun to hear the whole story. Thanks for sharing. You're welcome. I should write the book. (laughs) Yeah, you should. (laughs) Definitely. That's great. All right. So like I said in the recording, I think she literally might be the only person I've heard of having an ex- an accidental birth outside of the hospital on the side of the road in China. <laughs> yeah, in China. I do know someone that was almost gave birth in the car, but when she arrived in the ER and gave birth like in the door <laughs> on the stretcher. <laughs> Oh, how how long were you at the hospital before you gave birth the last time, Jacqueline? Oh, if you ask my husband, he would say a different time, but I really think it was only 10 minutes. <laughs> it's a good thing you live so close. Yeah, yeah. I was fine with it. Like Andrea was sharing in, you know, her podcast, Advocating for Yourself, I am not super great while giving birth. to advocate for myself. So because I'm not so great at advocating for myself, I just avoid it because that's how I handle things. (laughs) That's your coping mechanism. if I just go in, (laughs) yeah, if I just go in when it's time for, because I know I have to give birth in the hospital, then, you know, that's what I'm going to (laughs) do. So I had enough time to walk up you know, get in the elevator, walk into my room. There, I stopped at like the entryway and the nurse like, because I had a contraction and the nurse like knelt down and looked up in my face and was like, do you want an epidural? <laughs> and I just got like so cross with her. <laughs> oh. like, Can you not see there's no time for an epidural? <laughs> and <laughs> So I have to say, And maybe I shouldn't say this on the podcast, but I have to say that I actually have a little bit been envious of people that have babies so fast that they can't get to the hospital. Because when I was having my last, now this wasn't in China, this was in America, but I had a friend that was also due like the same week and she accidentally gave birth at home. And I was I had a high risk pregnancy. And so they really wanted me to induce. And I was just like, I would have this baby right here right now. (laughs) If I could avoid the induction. But alas, I didn't go into labor. And then I was induced and it was 30 hours 
uh, 30-hour induction, Mm -hmm. even though it was my fourth child. So, you know, anyways. But I know that that's not really fair to wish and that there are pros and cons of everything and, you know, so anyways. But I I have a lot of fun listening to stories like Andrea's. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine the stress or like maybe the fear of you know with being your first and not knowing yes how things are going or you know like what what's happening and then you know you have this baby in your arms like I said before typically it means like everything is working perfectly just as it should and so there really isn't anything that needs to to be feared Mm -hmm. and you can just bask in the hey It's over. And now you get to enjoy the baby. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, you know, Andrea has more stories because she also has a twin birth with convincing the hospital to let her bring the the birthing tub into the hospital. And so we're going to have to have her on for that birth story as well. So stay tuned. All right. Thanks, Jacqueline. Thanks, Ruth. Until next time. Next time. Okay, is this for real? Yes, this is for real. We are are recording for real now. Yeah.